Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence From Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lehman, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 157 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And today's conversation is very special to me because I had the privilege of interviewing my mentor, Dr. John Demartini. And I have been studying human behavior through the Dermartini Institute for several years now. And having John himself on the podcast was quite a treat. We started the conversation by really talking about how does our emotions impact our physiology. And John also kind of sheds light into the hidden benefits of illnesses. And we focus on chronic pain for this part of the conversation. What is interesting is that my own history with chronic pain is the primary way that I actually found John's work. So it was a beautiful, you know, 360 moment for me. But really, a lot of what I attribute to my own personal healing in my changes in my pain levels and how I even understand chronic pain, I really attribute it to John's work in the last 50 years of his research in the field of human behavior. We also talked about something very special, which is how can we reframe menopause transition and our, you know, symptoms from hot flashes to all the different, you know, cognitive things that we, some women experience as we transition through uh, into postmenopause. And he really talked about ways that we can modulate our hormonal response based on perceptions and how we can shift those perceptions to shift how we actually experience symptoms. This is something that is not often talked about. And I feel very happy that we got to cover because I really hope that this empowers you and really gives you this new perspective on aging that is not just very science-based, but it's very different than what is out there to show how much actual power you have within you if you learn how to understand your body and your mind from this beautiful perspective. So let me introduce you to John and we can jump right in. Dr. John Demartini is a world-renowned specialist in human behavior, a researcher, author, and global educator. He has developed a series of solutions applicable across all markets, sectors, and age groups. His education curriculum ranges from corporate empowerment programs, financial empowerment strategies, self-development programs, relationship solutions, and social transformation programs. His teachings start at the core of the issue, addressing the human factor, and range out to a multitude of powerful tools that have proven the test of time. He has studied over 30,000 books across all the defined academic disciplines and has synthesized the wisdom of the ages, which he shares on stages in over a hundred countries. His presentations, whether keynotes, seminars, or workshops, leave clients with insights into their behavior and keys to their empowerment. 
Without any further ado, here is Dr. John Demartini. Welcome, John. Welcome to the show today. It is an honor to have you on today. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, my pleasure. And for our topic today, I would love to talk to you about women's health and healthy aging and really get your thoughts on this topic. I have recently completed your Prophecy 2 program and we spent 70 hours together looking at emotions and health and how our entire bodies are interconnected. So I'm very excited to explore this deeper with you today. So to get us started, John, tell us how our emotions impact our physiology in general first. Okay. Um, first, I'd like to describe an emotion as a ratio of perceptions. So let's say that you are a, a single woman mm -hmm. and you are at a restaurant and you meet this gentleman at a gathering of friends that flirts with you and talks to you and you are now under the perception that this is a potential uh, future relationship mm -hmm. and you are a little on the infatuated side you're mm -hmm. conscious of mm -hmm. some of the positives and you're unconscious of some of the negatives right so you're having a little bit of a subjective bias a false positive on the positives and a false negative on the negatives you're seeing things that are probably not there, but you're reading into it. And then you're probably overlooking some things that you're not willing to see yet. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of getting a little rose tinted glasses and you got a bit of infatuation and the ratios of your perceptions are higher on positive than negative mm -hmm. more support than challenge more, you know, advantage over disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And therefore you activate uh, with those perceptions, an area of the brain called the amygdala, in an area called the nucleus accumbens, which gives you endorphins and gives you dopamine and serotonin mm -hmm. and, and oxytocin, because I think I can trust this man. <laughs> <laughs> this means different. <laughs> <laughs> so with that ratio of perceptions, you now have a change in the ratios of different transmitters and modulators and hormones. Your estrogen will go up. <laughs> your testosterone will go down. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll be ready for flirting and trusting and engaging. And so you now have an impulse to seek this individual out and to consume and bring them into your life. And so you have an emotion that's an attractive emotion now based on those ratios of perceptions. Mm -hmm. Now, if all of a sudden at that first night, his wife comes up, <laughs> puts <laughs> her arms around him after he's been flirting with you. And giving you his number. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, mm -hmm. jerk. Right? Yeah. And now you flip your ratios of perceptions. And now you perceive, oh, I can't trust him. Oxytocin goes down. Vasopressin goes down. Um, more negatives than positives. Uh, you know, player. You get all these new associations. And now you see more negative than positive. Now you have a withdrawal symptom. Mm -hmm. And now you get testosterone, adrenaline, you know, osteocalcin, you get different chemistries in the brain and say, avoid. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in one split second, yeah. one behavior can flip the neurochemistry because of flipping the neurotransmitters and re regulators and the ratios of perceptions change. So all emotions which are polarized, 
of seek or avoid, which create a cerebellar response in muscles to make them seek and try to consume or avoid and try to not be consumed, are just ratios of perceptions. And therefore, your psychology affects your physiology. Mm -hmm. And we can store and hold on to fantasies, even though um, we may want the fantasy that this is the guy. And if he comes and then calls us afterwards and says, I'm leaving my wife. If you have a false positive on the positive, you'll go, okay, now he wants me. And you can actually now go back and be infatuated again, blinded. Of course, that may be a line he's doing in order to take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, But your, your BS meter is going to go off and go, can I trust this or not? You're going to go through all of the associations you've made in the past yeah. that are imbalanced are going to come into play and stack up all those associations and experiences are going to determine whether or not you're going to trust him or not trust him or be attracted to him or not or be cautious. You know, you're going to go and investigate him. You're going to find out who he's, if he's married and does he have kids. You're going to start now looking at the things you overlooked initially while mm -hmm. you had the rose tinted glasses on. So all of those associations and ratios of presumption is going to affect those neurochemistry, which is going to affect cells. Every cell has receptors on it. And those chemistries flooding through the exoslator tissue and get to the cell wall and change the functions of the cell and the cell physiology, which we call wellness or illness, um, is the ratios of those transmitters and hormones affecting the enzymes and the, the various substructures inside the cells expression. So if we really are acutely aware of particularly autonomic regulation, parasympathetic if we like something, sympathetic if we're, you know, frightened of something. If we look at the ratios of what it does on a cell, we can study the cell's impact from the autonomics and we can see what that cell is going to potentially do. Mm -hmm. We can change that cell function by changing the ratios of perception. Mm -hmm. yes. so illness, illness is a reflection of our ratios of perception that have been stored many times in the subconscious mind and compounded. Yeah. And and re-established by new associations that remind us of our beliefs because we create beliefs out of these. And then that, that belief system and those associations will result in chronic illness in some cases. It, it, you know, it's just applied physiology and applied psychology. It's nothing really, you know, supernatural. It's just if you yeah. study those two things, you get some insight about what might be going on. Whenever I see a pathology that says etiology unknown, we don't mm -hmm. know what the source of it is. Mm -hmm. I go down to the cell level and I look at what's happening in the cell and I start working my, my, my way back. Mm -hmm. That might be compounding. And sometimes these are compounding. Um, it's not just an infatuation response. It's an infatuation response on top of a anxiety response of the last time I did this, this is what happened to me. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, it's a, a variety of stacked associations in the mm -hmm. brain. That those all those ratios are all affecting that cell differently. Yeah. And I think one of the things you said that I thought was interesting in previous programs is the layers, like you're probably like thinking of the first layer, but there's maybe many other layers of associations prior to really get to the root cause. It may take a little bit of digging, right? Like you said, and work backwards from the cell forward rather than just looking at what's presenting emotionally and then trying to understand what's exactly yes. in the body. Yeah. 
and and if you ask why is somebody doing something, there's always an unconscious or conscious motive. Yeah. You're cautious. There's a reason why you're cautious. You're assuming that it's going to be more advantageous to be cautious than not because doing the opposite is going to bring up a pain from the past. Mm-hmm. So, so all of those associations that have been compounded through time can create now the associations you make in this present and lead to these illness or wellness responses, erasures. And even the illness response may be nothing more than a feedback mechanism to let you know you've got some incomplete stuff back here. Yeah. And we may be labeling it illness, but it may be actually doing its job to try to make us aware of what we're charged up about that we haven't loved to go back and be authentic and return to that and love it. Mm-hmm. So that may be illness may be actually a mechanism of mastering life and helping mm-hmm. us be broaden our view of it. it may yeah. actually be a service to us <laughs> if we know yeah. how to interpret what it is and not just be palliative and get rid of the symptoms with a drug or something. Yeah. Absolutely. And something very important you said, John, is about that whole hidden motive, right? That our minds are always at every point of decision choosing or comparing two things, right? And picking what feels most advantageous. So talk to us a little bit about the quotations like hidden strategies or hidden benefits of illnesses. So I have this lady that uh, attended my or came to my office probably 30 something years ago now. And she was um, probably 66 years old and um, had diabetes, had ulcers in her legs, uh, had part blindness happening, peripheral neuropathies, skin that was discolored. And um, I had just, over the last year, really helped some people with diabetes um, with an exercise program, a dietary program. Uh, psychological changes, some natural approaches to wellness that we had done. And I really believe that I, if she was to actually do even a portion of what I was going to suggest, we could actually potentially salvage her leg because there was going to be an amputation probably eventually. Yeah. And, um, make her be able to potentially walk if she's willing to do the work because she was able to stabilize herself and stand up from her wheelchair. She was in a wheelchair. So I really did have uh, a belief that if she's willing to work, we can do something. If she's not willing to work, I can't, you know, if she's just expecting an insulin and a shot and, you know, pat on the back, then I'm not going to get anywhere. But, mm-hmm. but I told her the news that I believe that if she's willing to do incremental changes in her life, dietary wise, exercise wise, attitude wise, everything else, uh, we could potentially get her where she can walk and, and out of the wheelchair and salvage her legs. When I gave her the report, the report of findings, I didn't see any smile on her face. I saw a deep, distant look and a concern. Hmm. And I thought, this is odd. She's not, I'm giving her potential good news. And I have really, truly helped some people with this condition. Not stop the condition necessarily, but, you know, prolong their, their function. Yeah. And uh, so when I presented this to her, she just was solemn. And finally, she said, Dr. DiMartini, I I appreciate what you're saying. And um, I believe you. But I really didn't come here for that. (laughs) I said, and I'm (laughs) thinking, you know, 
I'm, I'm in my 30s, you know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> what did you come here for? You came here to a doctor to get health or something. <laughs> she said, no. You see the lovely African lady that's wheeled me in here? I said, yeah. She's in the front reception room. So that lady has been with me for eight years. She's my closest loved one. So I didn't come here to get out of the wheelchair. I said, and I was puzzled. I was going, what? Because, you know, I was naive at the time. and And I didn't realize there were that many hidden notice. And she says, I came here to show that I am still looking for solutions because I get covered by my my insurance and everything else if I do. Mm-hmm. I'm having to make an effort. Mm-hmm. And I have to go and get my insulin shots. And so I get out, I socialize, I do everything else to go and get my, my shots, to go to the doctors. I go to doctors all over the place. You're one of many doctors. And I went, okay. I said, I respect that. You're perceiving more advantages. Mm-hmm. With, your, with what you perceive, so if you really believe you could get up and do something amazing, you had another 20 years, you might have a different view. Mm-hmm. But you don't really believe that. So you believe that if I'm going to go this route, I'd rather do it with my loved ones, et cetera, in place. And yeah. So her decision and perception was there was more advantage than disadvantage to continuing what she was doing. Mm-hmm. When she was wheeled out of there, I thought, wow, that's a great education for me because mm-hmm. I, I was more optimistic on trying to help people's health and i think half the patients were right they didn't have a high value on on, on health they had right. value on whatever their values were in this case social and family and connections and 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 that so people can have unconscious motives i i had a a lady that was in the uh, uh in ireland dublin ireland mm-hmm. who came to a hotel that i was staying at that asked for a consult now, she claimed, Merriam Hotel there, uh, claimed that she'd had 57 years worth of pain. I'm thinking, okay, 57 years, she's complained of chronic pain. Okay, so she's been to specialist after specialist after specialist. She's done all kinds of things. She's got headaches, pains all over her body, anything else. Mm-hmm. So I already know there's a value to pain, and people will use it to accomplish things. Mm-hmm. So I said, what's the benefit you're getting out of the pain? I don't know. I, I, how could it be benefit? And she denied it. I said, let's ask again. What are the benefits you're getting out of the pain? No one will continue to do something unless there's more advantage and disadvantage doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, what is the advantage you're getting at? Because there's a thing called uh, acute pain and chronic pain. Acute pain is neurological and nerve endings, see fibers that go up to the thalamus and this kind of thing. But chronic pain is glial pain. Mm-hmm. It has a tension in the cortex. It's not necessarily any reason that we can find physically for the pain. And it's diffuse and it moves around many times. Mm-hmm. So I said, so what's the benefit of the pain? And finally, she said, I get out of doing things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. What else? And we went down this, this rabbit hole and we found out that she had a sister that could do no wrong in the family. And the family, the parents were always in, you know, looking up to her and comparing the sister who could never compete with her for looks, for intelligence, etc. So the only way she could get more attention from the parents is to get injured or hurt or complain of pain or suffering. And then the parents would give equal value. So she found a way of getting equal attention from the sister. Hmm. 
So I said, so what was the benefit? And we finally got to the idea that I can, I can keep ahead of my sister. And she got tears in the eyes. Mm. She looked at me and she says, do you think I would have done that for 57 years? I said, you tell me. Mm. She started crying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I said, uh, if we don't find an alternative way of getting more attention, is yeah. your is your parents still alive? Yes. If they died right now, what would that be like? And then what would you be getting attention from? And would this strategy work? There's a real eye opener for her. Mm -hmm. So I said, so what are the alternative ways that you can compete with the family? How else do you, what else is valuable to the mom and dad that you can do that is valuable to them? That they right. can done? And we look down that avenue and then we go, what's another benefit of it? We stacked up the benefit of how she was using this pain. Mm -hmm. and, and as long as people see her in pain and suffering, they lift her up. So she was getting acknowledged and lifted up. If you're cocky, people put you down, but if you're humble, they lift you up. Yeah. So she was, You've seen this many times where people will put themselves down to get acknowledgement by people. Mm -hmm. So she was putting herself in pain to get support by people. When she finally realized what she was doing and I stacked up the benefits, we just kept going the next benefit, next benefit. She started seeing them. First mm -hmm. time they were unconscious. Yeah. Unconscious motives. When she got to him, she had a really ball bawling in the in the lobby, the Marion Hotel. Cried. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I, when she got through the tears and she realized what she was doing, I said, just out of curiosity, what's the threshold of pain? She says, it's dropped 70% now. <laughs> yeah. I said, because now you understand what you did. Mm -hmm. You've been looking for all these doctors to give you these magic things, but it was inside. This, this chronic pain was inside. Yeah. And I said, so let's come up with viable alternative ways of getting attention from your parents without having to compete with your sister. What would be the drawback of trying to compete with your sister? What's the drawback of this strategy? Let's find the benefits of the other strategy. Yeah. And we played with that. And in one hour, we accomplished more than all the specialists that she'd been on pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because no matter what you do externally, the real motive was an internal job. Yeah. So you can change where you shut down inflammation or turn on inflammation, or nicked our, our gums and had a little ulcer, you know, those kind of things. When all of a sudden, if we're stressed, it really gets more aggravated. If we're calm, yeah. it calms down. So those are basically parasympathetic or sympathetic responses that, that can change the, the pain threshold. Mm -hmm. So we literally have more control over our physiology than most people realize it. We're just not trained. Exactly. We're just not trained. Nobody teaches us. What, what most people are doing, they just go and they're palliative. They've yes. got a symptom. They don't know if that symptom's good or bad. Imagine if you overate and you had a bellyache and gas and mm -hmm. cramps and, and puffy face and uh, sniffles and eye irritation, any histamine response. And, and, and you go and you say, well, I, I don't know what I did last night, but somehow I woke up this morning with all these symptoms. Well, you picked out. Boinker. <laughs> yeah. And then the next morning you woke up with normal symptoms. And then you go to the doc and the doc says, here's an antiacid, here's an antihistamine, here's an antiflatulin, here's an antivirus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> medications for picking out. Yeah. Those symptoms are feedback mechanisms that are actually healthy biological feedback mechanisms to let you know you've picked out. Yeah. You didn't know that. You're ignorant. So you go to a specialist. They're ignorant because they've been trained by a pharmaceutical palliative approach. Right. 
They're pharmaceutical reps. Bill, here's five pills. Yeah. It's a palliative approach. It's an amygdala response to avoid pain and seek pleasure. That's our entire healthcare system. Yeah. That is not wellness. That's palliative symptom release. But that has a price. Absolutely. And I find it what I find is so fascinating, John, about looking at things from this perspective is that it removes the need for blame and shame and, you know, all those, <laughs> you know, tendencies that people have. And you can have a very, I would say, like you said, intelligent conversation that this is what my needs are. This is what the other persons are. And then you find a way to calibrate and get the best resolution. And I find that from a relationship standpoint, it is absolutely fascinating and has transformed my personal relationship because we get to that point really quickly of putting on the table what we each need what we're willing to compromise, what we're not, and what is the best resolution for both of us without the blame game and all those, you know, polarized states that like we get there quicker now because of your work. This episode is brought to you by the Weight Release Shift, a program that I am so excited to share with you. And actually more than a program, this is a partnership in which I join forces with you to take you on this incredible journey, which is weight release. Together, we will explore all the necessary mind shifts to get you to places you've never been before, as well as learn what is going on with your hormones, especially as you transition into later phases of being a woman. All of that combined with tasty, healthy, super easy to make foods and recipes to help you balance hormones, eat for your needs, and release excess weight in the process. If you're curious or ready to learn more and join me and all these other wonderful women on this journey, I encourage you to apply at the link below. To learn more, visit naturallyjoyous.ca slash relief and i look forward to chatting with you and getting to know you better see we label people when something challenges our values and they do it more than us yeah so let's say a guy goes out and drinks uh, and he drinks you know a number of drinks if you go out and drink with him and have the same number of drinks you call him a friend your buddy mm -hmm. you don't call him an alcoholic yeah you call him a buddy but if you're at home and he's drinking and he comes home and he's belligerent, he challenges you after he drinks and he's drinking more than you can drink, you're going to label him an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't find labels useful except in communication between health professionals. Yes. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not wise to label somebody. And it's not wise to judge them just because they have a higher libido or a higher drinking. Yeah. I'd rather go and find out what's the drive. And come yeah. up with viable alternative ways of getting those drives met. Yeah. Because there's an unconscious motive behind any form of addiction. I'm absolutely certain about that. Absolutely. So so I, I'd rather find out what it is, not make them wrong for that, and see if we can't dis disperse it a bit and moderate it a bit so it's more functional in, in the society with the people you're surrounding yourself with. Absolutely. And John, going back to the symptoms and when we were having that conversation, looking at menopause and specifically the transition, the perimenopause phase that is, it feels to be very individual. Many women experience it very differently. Some with very extreme symptoms, others with almost no symptoms at all. From 
your studies and research, how can we make sense of it? Why do some women have the exacerbating symptoms while others do not? Well, there's a number of factors. Um, each individual genetically is going to have different variations. There are definitely genetic variations. Yeah. Um, then you also have now epigenetic overlay on the associations you've given through your life. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give an example. This is not menopause, but I'll translate it into menopause. Mm -hmm. So many women have a premenstrual uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're some some people call it the menstruation cycle. Mm -hmm. And they and and it's been shown that women are more aggressive to females during ovulation, and more passive to men. And then during the other times of the cycle, they're more aggressive to men than they are to the female. It, it goes back and forth based on competitiveness and, and possible procreation. Mm -hmm. But but mm -hmm. I had a, a lady who um, who was at a seminar that I did in Houston, Texas, and it was a training program that on the Demartini method, on the method on mm -hmm. conflict resolution and grief and all that stuff, yeah. managing emotions. And she came up to me right before getting to go to lunch. And she says, Dr. Demartini, I, I have unbelievable premenstrual crazies and I'm out. I'm just out for like two, three days. I'm just non-functional. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to do it. Well, I may have to come back to the seminar and do it again. I, I just won't be able to make it through the seminar. I'm already starting to feel it. I said, okay, so you have an op option right now. You can go back up to your room and just stay in a hotel, pay for the hotel, miss out on the seminar and, and endure it and just go through the crises like you typically do. Mm -hmm. Or you can uh, endure 50 minutes with me <laughs> and let me ask you some questions to see if we can make a difference with it. It says, and I'll take you to lunch if you can endure just 50 more minutes of the camps. <laughs> okay. So I asked her to go back to the most crisis moments where she's had her periods mm -hmm. right before her periods. And we took and looked at all of the experience and associations she made with it. And then we found out the benefits that came out of each of those associations. And I sat down and asked her, what are the benefits that came during these periods? And where were the opposite going on at the time they were experiencing? So if they were feeling, um, you know, cramps and pain, where was the pleasures? What was easier? I found, I asked very precise questions, you know, as, as I've trained. Mm -hmm. that the pain and the cramps started dropping. Mm -hmm. And as we got our meal, by the time we got our meal, it was already lasting. And we kept, kept eating and I kept working. We didn't even really eat the full meal because we were engaged in what we were doing. And in 50 minutes, um, her symptoms were down to about 10 to 15% of what they were. Mm -hmm. I said, now, right this minute, are you feeling like you need to run to your room or do you think you can stick it in the seminar? She says, right now, I'm not feeling the cramps. So I must have changed my, my you know, prostaglandins. I must have changed my, my racial perception because if I say things to support your values, your estrogens change. If I do things that challenge it, it, it changes again. Mm -hmm. And if I remind you of things that are, unmet expectations, your prostaglandins and cytokines, they're cha they change. Mm -hmm. So I can ask questions and change those chemistries and all of a sudden the, the physiology changes. So she ended up coming back to the seminar, didn't take her, her break from the seminar, and endured the entire seminar with 
the, the symptomatology was down 70 to 80%. Mm-hmm. And then huh. she realized that day was the last time she said, this is going to kick my butt. Yeah, This is no longer done. I'm going to master this. And she started doing the Demartini method, you know, on herself, mm-hmm. on the association she made, all relating to those P- PMS cycles. And mm-hmm. the now, this same thing I've done with women at, at, at their menopause. The associations they make have a lot to do with how they get through that. Yeah. There's a genetic factor, but there's also epigenetic. And the epigenetic is in, impacted by the ratios of their perceptions. And you can change those ratios on the spot by asking new questions. A quarter of your life is basically quite the questions you ask. If you ask questions that make you aware of information that's unconscious, yeah. you become more fully conscious. You can change the hormone ratios and change mm-hmm. your response. So it's not that this is doing this to you. It's your, you have more command over your life than most people realize. We're just not trained. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much fear that gets infused as well as that phase approaches and women feeling that they will no longer have control of their body and what's going on that I think it just exacerbates as well. That feeling that we are not as in charge as you just explained to us clearly as we are of our experiences, perceptions, but also physiologically speaking. Well, there's what's, you know, there's a conservation of pain and pleasure through life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) when, When you're a kid, you got the pain of being told what to do. (laughs) <laughs> yes. When you're a teenager, you 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 have the pain of not being able to do all the things you want to do. When yeah. you're on your own, you go, now I got the pain of, of being responsible for what I do. Yes. Absolutely. You know, now you're I'm 68, so at 68, you now got new set of challenges. <laughs> you're a new set of challenges. Yes. And and but I don't have the same challenge I had when I was a teenager. So I've taken those pleasures and pains and changed them into a new set of pleasures and pains. Mm-hmm. So when the menopause comes, you're going to have not the pain of the cycle, not the pain of possible pregnancy, not the pain of the pre-menstruals. You're going to have a different set of challenges. Yeah. But people have this idea that I want life to get easier. And that's mm-hmm. where some of the torture comes. Yes, absolutely. Instead of honoring that life has a balance of pain and pleasure throughout your entire life. Mm-hmm. And to try to seek one, the Buddha says the desire for that which is unobtainable, pleasure without pain, mm-hmm. and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable, pain without pleasure, is a source of human suffering. Yeah. But if we go to and find out the upsides to the menopause, not just the downsides, because you may have been beautiful and, you know, radiantly attractive, and then you found out that you didn't have your drive, you didn't develop a business, you didn't develop your education, you relied on your looks and everything else, and now you have an anxiety about what happens if that goes. Yeah. But now it may force you to balance out the other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Empower those areas. So now you become a, you know, a, a, an empowered woman that you had been disempowered in. So there's, there's just as many benefit sides if you look for them. Mm-hmm. And if you keep the ratios of the benefits and drawbacks in balance, you pass through there uneventfully mm-hmm. compared to what some people go through. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. That was so good. And John, one final big question for you, and then I want you to tell us more about how can people learn more from you and find you your work. Um, let's talk a little bit about healthy aging. And I've been to many of your seminars over the years, and you talk about entropy, which I think is a very interesting concept. So let's talk about, you know, looking at aging and the perception of time and we feel that time passes faster as we get older and all those things. And how can we kind of, you know, 
put a little bit more knowledge and understanding into what is actually going on? Entropy is a thermodynamic term Mm -hmm. that is based on the idea that most observations of nature is going from something that's ordered to disordered. Mm -hmm. Now, Claude Shannon said that entropy means missing information in information theory. Mm -hmm. So that means that if you're conscious of the positives and you're unconscious of the negatives, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a distress called the fear of loss of that which you seek. And if you're conscious of the downsides and unconscious upsides, you're going to have a distress of the fear of gain of what you're trying to avoid. Yeah. But if you see both sides of both of them and they're neutral and there's no missing information, you're poised, Mm -hmm. you're present, Mm -hmm. and there's no arrow of time. Mm -hmm. The arrow of time is entropy. The arrow of time is Anytime we pursue, perceive that this is something of the past and this is of the future, which is defined by entropy, the tendency to go from order to disorder. So if we become present, which means if we live by our highest value and we stick to what's truly priority, we delegate lower priority things and we get fully engaged and inspired and doing something we love doing that's meaningful and fulfilling, we have negentropy. Negative entropy is a term that Erwin Schrodinger in his book in 1944 called What is Life described as the opposite of entropy. Most theories of of entropy say that life is moving from disorder to order, but at the expense of the whole universe going more towards disorder. This is controversial because with new ideas of emergent self-organizing systems that occur at the massive scales of super galaxy clusters, the reality is that may be questioned in the future. In fact, I know it will be. Mm-hmm. So entropy is basically emotions that are based on ratios of perceptions that are not balanced mm-hmm. that cause aging. Mm-hmm. Aging is a feedback to let us know we have missing information. Symptoms in our body is a feedback to let us know we're not seeing the whole. We got missing information and entropy. Mm-hmm. And the greater the distress, the more the entropy. And the greater the distress, the more polarized. If we're highly infatuated, we have an anxiety of losing them, fear of loss of that which we infatuate, and jealousies and, and, you know, fear of somebody coming and taking them away because it's our prey. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to prey and predator mentality. Prey, if somebody's going after and two animals are going for the same prey, there's an anxiety of somebody grabbing it. So the more polarized we are with our perceptions, the more entropy we have, the more distress we have the more aging we have. Mm-hmm. So that's why I teach the Demartini method and the Brayton experience to show people how to balance that, to, to ask questions. And so you're not having entropy, you're having negentropy, which mm-hmm. is life physics, equilibrium, it's death physics. So the moment we can ask the right question and become fully conscious and balance out our perception, you overrule ne- meaning with reflective awareness with people we care about, all reduce the aging process and give Life to years and years to life. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about the breakthrough experience, John, and how can other people, you know, there's many of us, like myself, facilitators uh, of your work, trained by you personally spreading the work. But if somebody wants to experience, which I believe everybody should, the breakthrough experience through you, how can they do that? This simple way to come to the breakthrough experience is to go online mm-hmm. and go on my website, drdmartini.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll see probably two things on there. 
determine your values, which is a little mm -hmm. exercise you can do, which yes. is complimentary, free, and private, or how to attend the breakthrough experience. And the breakthrough experience I've been doing for almost 34 years. Mm -hmm. Done it 1,161 <laughs> times. Wow. <laughs> and yes. uh, getting to do another one this weekend here in Houston. Yeah. And um, I love it. It's 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 the thing that I've watched a lot of lives changed. I mean, you yeah. you know. Yes. Many people come and they want to go learn the method as a result of it because they realize the power it has. Mm -hmm. So I get to introduce the method to people. I get to introduce values to people. I get to introduce the power they have within themselves to take command of their life. They're either a master of destiny or a victim of history. If they want yeah. to be a master of destiny, the breakthrough experience, I'm certain, can help that. Yeah. I mean, I've been working on on researching on human behavior for 50 years. In yes. two, no, in one week will be 50 years, one week from now. <laughs> Wonderful. And, I know, 50 years. And, and uh, you know, you pick up a few things along the way, 50 years, particularly at the rate I find. <laughs> yes. And uh, so I love sharing that in the breakthrough experience. And it, it, there's no two breakthroughs the same because I'm researching and adding whatever I learn. I'm sharing constantly. Yeah. And the breakthrough experience is for people that want to empower the areas of their life. Uh, they want to empower their mental faculties, want to empower their business, want to empower their relationship, their wealth, all areas of life. I, I do what I can to show them tools on how to empower those areas and to take command of their life. So yeah. they're not victims of history. They're masters of destiny. Yeah. They're not living in the chaos, the apparent chaos. They they now know how to see the hidden order in what they've experienced. There's a, there's a way of changing your life where you see life on the way, not in the yeah. way. Like the lady at, in Miriam Hotel. She was saying, I've got this pain or anything else. And she realized it was a strategy on the way, not in the way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely fantastic. I was really looking forward to today. And as always, you're more than a wealth of knowledge. And I love where the conversation went and the examples are really good for people to really grasp. And I'm really very inspired to continue sharing the work that I've absorbed through you and infusing and helping other women in their menopausal journeys to look at things differently and you've done an incredible service to that today. So thank you so much for your time, John. It is deeply appreciated. Thank you for the interview. And uh, I love the conversation. So thank yes. you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous. And I will be sure to tag you back. I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy and until next time.